Welcome on in to the 2-3 Podcast. I'm Cam, that's Zach, episode 5. Alright Cam, 2-0, how are we feeling? We got tested. We got tested against Drexel. It was a pretty rough one. I was thinking that this was going to go into the record books as a different, I guess, as a loss is what I'm trying to get at. But a 15-point win against Drexel, it was a pretty slow start, though. The first half really had me scared. I was not ready to be on the edge of my seat like I was. I was ready to relax, chill, watch dunks, watch some nice three-point shot shots, and just, you know, chill on a nice Sunday evening. But that was not the case the first half. Yeah, down 33-32, they moved the ball around very well, the Dragons did. They really knew how to like kind of slice up the zone a little bit. And I think kind of going into this game, we knew that it was going to be a little bit more of a test than probably Lafayette was because, let's face yeah. it, Lafayette was a, was a, was a warm-up game. Um, and this is a team, Drexel, that has had some success in the past, and they showed it. They had really good chemistry early on, and it made you nervous when they kept knocking down those threes. Yeah, they, they couldn't miss. Like you said, they had great ball movement, moving in and out of the zone, getting open shots, and they it really felt like they could not miss. I don't know if they shot 100%, but it, it, the first half, it felt like they were like they couldn't miss. If they shot, it was going in. And it certainly, yeah, it seemed like that way early on. Um, in the first half, Drexel was 41% from three. And I feel like they probably had, uh, you know, towards the middle of the first half, they had quite a few missed shots. But like early on in the first half and then later on in the first half, it felt like they were shooting pretty much 100%. And it seemed like we weren't really able to do much like adjustments or at least our adjustments really weren't working until we finally came out in the second half Zach. Yeah. Second time. I think Jim Beheim had a few choice words to say with the team and not, not just that. Obviously we went in at halftime. We looked at the scoreboard, only down one, but down one against Drexel. And we're like, uh, guys, we're down <laughs> one point to Drexel right now. And obviously you have a lot of leadership and experience on that team. They know how to get back in games, and they 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 lit it up the second half. In his presser, Jim did mention that there were some defensive adjustments that they had made, and that seemed to work uh, pretty well on that side of the ball. But the big two that really got it going, like immediately right off the bat, in the beginning of the second half, were the Bayheim brothers. They looked like they were they they came out firing, especially Buddy did. Buddy can get anything he wants. He has his like go-to spots that he always goes to, but he's so good in those spots, especially when he has that high, high advantage in the lane. And he's a pretty tall guard. And a, and a team like Drexel and like a team like Lafayette, he has you know a few inches. And if as long as he has a few inches on his def, on his defender, then that pull up at the at the three throw line is going in every time. I think that the most impressive thing that I've seen from him this year. He's always been very good uh, shooting under pressure, like if a defender is up in his face and everything. But I feel like this year especially, it seems like it doesn't even bother him anymore if a person is in his face. Because there have been so many instances where the defender is right close to him, he'll have his hand you know, right near him, and he'll be chasing him down, whatever. But it seems like he's not even there. Like It seems like the defender is, is 
not even close to him because he just his shot is just so pure this year. And I don't know if you've noticed this too or not, Zach, but like he seems so relaxed from three. Like it just looks like it's just another shot for him. That just another shot that's just going to go in. It's so smooth this year. I mean, he's gotten used to the pressure. Last year, the pressure got really stuck on him. His freshman year, not so much. He was still finding his way. He struggled his freshman year a lot, obviously, early on with shooting. But he's gotten used to the pressure. And to take some of that pressure off, he's gotten really good at taking the ball to the lane. So now guys, obviously, covering his three-point shot, but also have to be ready for him to drive it in. So it, it's a, he's a difficult, difficult guard, which is great. Do you think that at this point it is confirmed that this is Buddy's team? I think so. Scoring 18 first game, 21 second game, I believe, is his final. Was it 21? Was it 23? What was it? It was 23, to be exact. All right, so he's averaging he's averaging 21 points a game. Yeah? Is that is it about the average here? It's, it's about the average, yeah. But I think uh, for me, I, I agree with you. He's just, he's, it's clearly his team. Like, it's clearly going to be his team down the line. And it looks like the pressure, just the, the general pressure of it being his team and him being the leader, it looks like it's not even really affecting him at all. He just looks natural out there. It doesn't look any different than any other year that we have seen Buddy Bayheim, except for this year, it seems like he's actually more relaxed out there. Have you seen that too? I think so too. I mean, it is a little bit different because last year he was our guy, but he kind of earned that throughout the year, especially come postseason in the run with the, to the sweet 16 he was he earned his spot saying yo this is my team but going into this year people already were like it's his team so there's a little bit more pressure but like you said he's just he's so lax and i don't think it's getting to him at all like like he's just he's just playing ball and playing great we had mentioned him the other Bayheim brother jimmy Bayheim, coming in from cornell it still looks like, and we've said this so many times, Zach, in different episodes, it still looks like Jimmy is out there trying to prove something. He has gotten so good with just driving in and creating something that, you know, out of almost nothing. He's he's fearless when he drives into the paint. Yeah, it's been great to see. He's he he's honestly like not to compare him too much to Quincy, but he's like replacing Quincy. He's a, he's gonna be a solid, you know. He didn't get quite to 16 uh, against Drexel, but, you know, the 16, 10 rebounds or just, you know, film the stat, stat sheet out quite a, quite well. He's going to be that guy every game. Well, he could he has the potential to be a great staple on the wing uh, defensively in the 2-3. It, it, you know, a lot of times when a transfer comes in, it takes a little bit for them to kind of gel with the system, as we've seen with Samir and um, with Cole a little bit here and there. But it seems like Jimmy, it, it's not affecting him whatsoever. It just seems like he's um, gelling with the team almost immediately. And I feel like he's such a great supporter for the team, you know, meaning he can he can do basically anything for the guys and he's willing to, you know, put his body on the line and drive in as much as he wants to. He had four rebounds on the game, 14 points, like you mentioned. Um, he was six from 10 from the field. It's really looked like the past couple of games that he's really starting to kind of come into his own and it looks like he's going to be that guy, that same guy from Cornell that was a natural leader and and took his team. 
you know, over 500 or I think close to 500, a Cornell team that was pretty poor, but he's gelling just so well with this team, Zach. He really is. And I really love, like you mentioned, he takes the ball to the rim and he, he earns his own shot. He gets, he's grinding it out. He's in the paint, playing rough, playing, not dirty, but, you know, getting dirty in the paint and earning his shot, which is something we really need with the shooting presence of JG3, Buddy, and Cole. We need more guys like Jimmy and Samir and just anyone on the team. I mean, Buddy's doing it too, but we need more guys to go and drive because the drive is going to be open because of the shooting presence we have. Do you think that he could potentially be a uh, a front runner for like rebounds come later in the year? I think so. He's just so aggressive too. I don't recall how many rebounds he ended the game with, but he's aggressive. He's always looking for the ball. I think he's he's kind of like the motor guy that we always have. You know, that's that was like Merrick la, uh, last year and the year before. Like some Tyler Robeson vibes too. Just you know, really aggressive and getting the offensive rebound and just being willing to get dirty in the paint. I really like that Tyler Roberson vibes. He gives me that too, where he's just kind of fearless driving into the paint. Yeah, I I can get down with that, Zach. I like that comparison. I like the Quincy comparison, but I really like the Tyler Roberson uh, comparison. I like that. A guy that you had mentioned uh, as well, who was very hot from three. He was 100%, uh, in fact, was JG3. And he's been pretty hot all season. And this is the kind of JG3 that, I mean, he's been extremely, 100% hot. I think that's that's hot, hot. It is hot, hot. That's like nuclear hot. He's been unstoppable this year. And this is finally the JG3 that we have been expecting for so long. And it's so great to see it. Yeah, he struggled a little bit on defense a little bit. And Samir kind of picked up quite a lot of minutes. I think he ended with 20-ish minutes, which is... Honestly, way more than I was thinking Samir was going to get out of this team. But also, I honestly love Samir's minute. But JG3 is shooting the ball super well, like we mentioned. 100% 8 for 8 on the year, which is like no joke. He's broken records with it. He's leading the country in three-point percentage, obviously. 100%. You can't beat 100%. So That is true. That is very true. Five assists to go along with his 11 points on the night. Um, you had mentioned Samir uh, getting more minutes than we kind of anticipated. He had 21 to end the night. He had three assists. Defensively, when you look at the two guards, they had a they both had slip ups towards the end of the game. Um, some defensive miscues and just kind of like some sloppy play overall. Uh, are you kind of worried about that, or do you think that that could kind of be easily touched up towards you know just kind of going into the year? I mean, it happens. I do think overall, I do think Joe is a good defender, but overall, I think Joe is a bit more of a defensive liability than Samir, just based on size and lack of athleticism in comparison to Samir. Obviously, Samir is still learning the zone and making mistakes because he's learning the zone. But just like, I guess, for potential and ceiling, I think Samir could be a way better defender than Joe, can, Joe is or can be. I feel like Samir too, you know, he brings a whole new dimension to this offense and it's not going to really show on the stat sheet because he only ended the night with two points and he had three assists um, and two rebounds. He also had a steal a lot of people had steals in this game. We'll kind of get back to that a little bit, but um, he, he brings a whole new dimension to this offense. And I feel like he's 
like you said, he's going to be so much more of he he's going to get so much more playing time than kind of originally anticipated. And I feel like that's a good thing too because when you rely too heavily on one guard in JG3, you know, that's a lot of pressure on him and again, this is he's hot. He's scorching hot from 3. You know, he's 8 from 8. He's 100% from 3. But I feel like too there is a little bit like you said of a liability there and I feel like Samir he's been pretty impressive when it comes to sort of defending and just kind of gelling with the with the with the two three zone. I've been pretty impressed with him early on and seeing like how well he can play coming from Marquette. Yeah, I like it. I really can feel like a presence when he's in the zone. He's active. He's 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 quick. He's he's bouncy. I think that's the best way to describe. It. He's like bouncy. If you, if you notice when he's in the top of the zone. He's like bouncy. He's like he's he's jittery. He's like ready to go, which I just really love to see. Sometimes guys can be a little flat-footed. Obviously, they're still doing what they need to do, but just that extra balance I see from Samir is like awesome to see. So, kind of looking ahead to possibly Samir's performance um, heading into the year, could you potentially see him? like getting more points, like the points will fall, or do you think that he might be one of those players where he doesn't get too many points, but he's still like really, really helpful, like defensively and just kind of getting the ball, like adding a whole new pace to the game overall. Do you think that he could just be kind of that player or do you think that the points will eventually come? I think the points will eventually come. I don't know if we necessarily need them to come from him. I do think like if his shot starts falling, if you can take it to the rim, like it's kind of game over. But baseline, the way he moves the ball, the, the different pace, like you mentioned, the different pace he brings to the game when he comes in, just the way he moves up the moves the ball up the court is like vastly different than the way Joe brings up the court and just his speed and just the way he like moves. Like I don't know, it, he's not as good of a pass passers like Rondo, but like he's kind of got give me some some Rondo vibes. Rondo isn't necessarily a scorer, but just the way he moves the ball. And it facilitates the offense is is awesome. Yeah, he's not really that kind of. That's not really his role, I guess. Is to score. Yeah, to score. Um, he's he's not like a point getter. I don't think that he really ever has been because when we were looking at his his stats at Marquette, we were like, oh, he doesn't get too many points, you know, but he does get quite a few assists. And I think that that's kind of what we need is somebody to kind of dish out the ball and to add like a whole new different speed. Um, and honestly, confidence to the offense, because sometimes when JG3 gets the ball, it, it can seem a little bit uneasy because he isn't really the best ball handler, handler. He doesn't really drive in as much as, say, like, you know, Samir or, or whatever. Um, so I, I, I kind of get what you mean, where that's not really his role. And I feel like the assists or the, the, the points might not come, but I feel like the assists will and um, I feel like he could, he has a potential of hopefully getting like double digits and assists, like hopefully averaging that throughout the season, Zach. I could see that. I would love to see that. And I, I think there's a potential to have that on top of, you know, Samir's ball handling and, and, and passing. Our team likes to pass already as it is. So you add those two, two together and you're going to have assists flying around. So let's move on to Cole, who had an okay game, five rebounds, four assists, 11 points, five steals, though. Like, he was 
everywhere on the stat sheet. He really filled the stat sheet out for the second game in the row. Obviously, still struggling shooting from three. I think overall he's like two from 10-ish from the three, which is kind of a shock. But also, Jim mentioned this in his presser, talking about how he's not really used to this role. He's coming from Villanova where he's coming off the bench, you know, the sixth, seventh guy off the bench. So obviously when you're the sixth, seventh guy off the bench, you're not going to get the same attention that like a guy like Buddy is getting as a three-point threat. And now he's getting that same pressure and threat from the defense. So I think he's just not used to it. He's not really getting like wide open looks and just the comfort of taking that shot isn't quite there yet. But he is doing everything else. Five steals, like you mentioned, is huge. Four assists, too. Like, you can't really ask much more from him for from struggling from shooting. And one thing that I really took away from, from Jim's presser, too, about Cole is that he mentioned that it's expected now that Cole is going to be getting 30-plus minutes a game. You know, he's going to be getting... He, he got 34 minutes in this game, and it, that's going to be the norm, you know, moving forward. I think, for me, that's pretty indicative that... He has a lot of confidence in Cole's ability to play, and I can see why, because his shooting really isn't that great right now, but we've seen in the preseason that like he can easily knock down threes. It's just a matter of trying to get them to fall, and right now we don't necessarily need them, but if we can, if he can get them to fall, Zach, that's going to be so dangerous for other teams because he's I don't know how you stop him like he's such a big presence who can shoot and who can basically do anything I really don't know how you stop him I think he's gonna figure out and this struggle is only gonna make him better it's forcing him to go to take the ball off the off the bounce get in the lane you know get assists get some steals on defense and it's forcing him to become a better player overall and I think he's gonna figure this out and you know learn how to work with the pressure and I, he, he's a sniper from the three. He, he's going to figure this out. It's going to take some time. And like you mentioned, he's like in this new role of playing 30, 35 minutes a game, which is something he's never done before on top of learning the zone and being on a new team. So I think he's going to figure it out. And when he does, Cole's going to come out guns blazing. I'm excited for that be, game. He's going to be dangerous. That's this a, is only that's game a two. dangerous man. Only game that two. is true. That is true. That is, it is only game two. And I feel like, it's only a matter of time before we see, you know, Cole getting a double-double each game. It, you know what it kind of reminds me of, kind of going back to to Quincy? It, it reminds me of, like, that stretch when, when Quincy was kind of, like, a little cold shooting uh, coming out, like... I think at this moment it was it was pretty early on in the season, and then it was just kind of expected that he was going to be getting a double-double each game. And I feel like Cole kind of could potentially have that role where you're seeing, like, oh... You know, Cole got another double double. You know, that's that's awesome. Um, I could see that very well. Like, maybe even a triple double, Zach. Maybe even a triple double. That's that's a big ask, but I could see it happening. Hey, you know, never see never. And you know, there's he's not far away from it, honestly. I like that Quincy comparison too, and not to not Quincy, but Cole is filling out the stat sheet like Quincy, other than he is like a certified three point shooter. The two guys that we always group together, Jesse and Frank. And this time, it's not going to be negative, Zach, because they were pretty decent in this game together. They, I, I thought that they, they each had their, their shining moments um, that we saw for in this game against Drexel. 
They really did. I think the biggest takeaway is we truly felt their presence. This is something that we lacked. Honestly, like more or less this this whole season so far, we haven't really felt a true center presence from Jesse or Frank, but both of them showed some presence, getting blocks, getting shots, and I think it's, it's they, they can really build on from this. The one thing that I saw from Frank, this happened twice. The first time a, a pass was kind of dished off from Samir down low. I think the second time it was from uh, Jimmy. Instead of Frank kind of getting the ball and immediately going up, he waited for his opportunity because the defenders were you know swatting at it and they were trying to defend it and everything. And instead, what Frank did, which I thought was so incredibly smart, was that he got the ball, kind of created space, and then waited for his moment to actually go up. He didn't rush it. And I feel like for a young guy, for a guy that doesn't have too much playing time, that's huge. And it kind of shows that he could potentially, you know, he has the potential of being a fantastic for center for us, whether it's this year or whether it's, you know, years to come. I thought that Jesse was great too. He had eight on the day. He had four blocks though. He he was huge underneath there trying to like just block shots and everything. There were so many like highlight blocks that he had on the game. It was, it kind of made you stand up and finally go like, okay, that's the Jesse that I've been waiting to see all year long. Yeah, it was beautiful to see. Both these guys played great games. One thing I want to mention with Jess real quick is the fact that he's eight for eight on the year. He's not the only player shooting 100% with uh, our guy, JG3. Eight for eight. Obviously, these are just dunks and layups, but some great shot, shot selection from Jesse. And that kind of brings me to the stat of the episode. I... I'm just going to start calling it just the stat of the game. It's just it's just a better term. Uh, the stat of the game, Cam's stat of the game. You mentioned points in the paint. We outscored Drexel 40 to 16 on points in the paint. That's massive because we we know that we can get it done from beyond three. But the biggest question coming into this year was. How are we going to do down low? How are we going to do on the rebounding side? And how are we going to do like the physical presence down low this year? And this just kind of shows Zach that like we did like the centers actually did come to play and we scored 40. We we outscored like Drexel 40 to 16 in points in the paint. That's huge for this game. Yeah, I love this stat. And we're we're shooting 50% from the three of the first two games. But we're not throwing up like a ridiculous amount of shots either. We're playing smart. We're finding good shots, and we're going into the paint too when 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 that's the better option. And as you mentioned, like this is a great step. Forty to sixteen points in the paint, like that's beautiful. That is beautiful. The last guy that we need to mention real quick because he had a huge, huge block again. I mean. This guy just constantly fills out his highlight reel. He did not score in this game, but that's fine. We didn't really need him to. That's Benny Williams. 16 minutes in the game. Again, he was 0 from 3, or 0 for 3, I'm sorry, uh, from the field. But he had a huge block, and he also had two steals on the day, Zach. Yeah, this was another monster get-out-of-my-house block, which obviously is great to see. And... You mentioned he was scoreless, and for some, that might be alarming, but I think 
Benny, I mean, Jim has also mentioned this in his pressers. He's still figuring out his shot. The few shots he has taken this year so far, they, they've been flat, and Jim's Jim's noted this as well. So he's figuring things out, and I think Benny's in a perfect spot. He doesn't have to be the guy, the freshman, to carry the team. We have a huge list of people that are in front of him that are going to do that, like Buddy and Jimmy and Cole and JG3. So I think it's going to allow Benny to develop, figure things out, learn, get that shot right. And now he's just showing his ceiling, how far he can go. And Benny, as much as like, you know, still learning, he's in such a great spot. And I'm like so excited for Benny. So all these guys together, this is probably going to be the typical eight that will play throughout the game. JG3, Buddy, Cole, Jimmy, Jesse, those are the obviously the starters. And as we know, Jim doesn't usually like to change the starters too much. So if there is a starter change, that will be quite drastic, but it probably won't change throughout the year. And then you've got Frank, Samir, and Benny. Are you happy with these eight, Zach? And are you happy with the three that are kind of coming off the bench? I do like it. One thing I thought was just kind of funny that I noticed during the Drexel was Frank was the first one off off the bench, which was a bit of a surprise. Then Samir, and then to follow that all up was Benny, which was kind of interesting. I guess it's just it's so hard to replace our forwards. Cole and Jimmy are just playing so well; it, it's hard to sub them out. I still feel like Jim is probably trying to experiment with the center position. He probably I don't want to say he doesn't have confidence in Jesse, but he probably doesn't have enough in him to just kind of leave him in there and just kind of let him do his thing. I feel like he's still trying to kind of experiment with Frank and he's trying to see like what he can do. He might be, you know, encouraged by what he's seeing. We don't know if there's, you know, good practices going on. If we say we heard, you know, in the beginning of the year that he was having great practices, Frank was. Um, But I get what you mean because Jesse ended up playing 21 minutes and then Frank ended up playing 16 minutes. So it was pretty well split between the two who was kind of getting that five position. Yeah. And one thing to note on those two, are we are we cool? Do we like the split? Obviously, they're playing great together. I think this game together, they're like 14 and six, which obviously if that's one player. That's really great. And if they're able to do that as a combo, like, are we cool with that? Do we like that? I kind of like that. Yeah. And I don't know if like, because the only other person that you could potentially put in there is, is, is John Bolajac. And I'm not sure if Jim necessarily has the confidence in him to kind of, you know, give him real solid minutes, you know, in, in games that actually like matter. Um, I, I love the guy. I love his personality and everything, but I just don't think that he's that strong of a player. I like the split look between the two. Because I feel like it, you know, a team comes in and they try to prep for, you know, each of the guys and how they're going to play them and whatever. And it kind of adds like a whole nother element. It's almost like, you know, Samir and and JG3 kind of splitting time because JG3 only had 25 minutes and Samir had 21. So I feel like you're kind of splitting that as well. I like the split look. I feel like it adds a whole nother dimension to the offense. I just don't know which one blossoms quicker jesse or frank and i guess that time will kind of tell um on which one is going to be you know getting the most playing time i guess yeah right now it definitely feels like they're side by side maybe one has a slight over the edge over the other depending on who you ask you talk to what stats you care about but it definitely seems like they're they're head to head right now which honestly like 
it seems like these are in a good spot. I, I kind of like that they're they're close. They're they're both providing what they need to provide. And like you said, it's interesting for for scout reports and stuff to have two different guys to have looks at and scout for. So if Jim were to theoretically go to a four-person bench, which I feel like is very unlikely, could you see Patty Casey or John Bolajac being in that role? Yeah, I mean, the dream, I would love to see Patty Casey get it in some serious minutes. I don't know how viable that is. He's talked highly of him. He's played well in the limited minutes that he has. Obviously, garbage minutes, but still minutes nonetheless for Patty. I think John Bull, he's just, it's just tough. He's like, because I, I see him more as a forward than center. I don't think he'll ever be in center unless literally like the world is in another dimension. <laughs> but, <laughs> but playing behind Cole, Jimmy, Benny, like, Sharing minutes with those three guys is that's a tough battle as it is. So, would you rather have Jimmy at the five than John Bolajak at the five? I mean, I can't say for sure. I I think Jim would say that. I mean, Jimmy ha- has gotten some minutes at the five as it is. I don't think John Bull has. So, I think testament to what Jim wants, and I don't think Jim wants him at the five. <laughs> No, I get that. I get that. I just try to see like if John Bolajac can get any minutes in this lineup and I feel bad for him, but like at the same time, like it's such a good lineup that it'd be tough to kind of crack it and I'm not really sure like what outsider would be able to kind of get into this lineup. And I agree with you. Like this seems like a pretty solid lineup. It's a pretty solid bench to have Benny, Samir and Frank. Like that that's pretty huge. And and like let's go back for a second, Zach. And talk about Frank, because kind of coming into this year without hearing about, you know, how well he's been practicing and everything. Did you think that Frank could actually get like solid minutes coming off of the bench? If you if you would have asked me that question at the end of last year, I would have been like, "Uh, probably not. Like, I don't really know much about Frank. I don't really think there's much potential there. So I'm surprised. Obviously, he made a lot of summer work just like Jesse did. So it's great to see. I'm happy to see it, but it, is, it, is, it does come as a surprise. I'm excited to see what he eventually turns into and how many minutes he will eventually get. Let's look ahead to Colgate. They just took an L to Cornell, who, by the way, is now 3-0. and The teams that they beat, Binghamton, Lafayette, and now Colgate. So that is something to kind of keep an eye on. Colgate also has a game coming up against SUNY Poly. No idea who that is on Thursday. And then they play us. So they've got a little bit of a warm up before they come into the dome. But the big guy, Nellie Cummings, a senior, he's a point guard and he averages 21.3 a game. Zachy shooting 61% from three. I don't know how you shut a, a guard down like that. Like he's been sensational and he's been like, nobody's been able to really stop him. So like, I guess what adjustments would you make uh, on the defensive side? If you were Jim to kind of prevent him from scoring. I mean, obviously going in, we're going to know that he's a shooter. He's going to be on the scouting report. Everyone's going to know, do not let him open. Do not leave him open. And, 
they're, they're going to know what they have to do to limit him from scoring. I, he, he's a great player from what it sounds like, averaging 21.3 points a game so far. So obviously he's going to make some shots, as any great player will do. But I think as long as the, the guy's going with the right game plan, Luckily, they are benefited. Obviously, there's other good good guys on Colgate, but I think they're able to focus a little bit just on Nelly. So that's a little bit of a benefit. I think we'll, as long as we go with the right game plan and execute properly, I think I think we'll be able to limit him. Obviously, he's a great player. He'll still score, but do I think it's going to be below or above the average? Maybe I'm, I'm not sure. What do you think about that? You think do you think we're going to break his average a little bit? I think that I think that will probably break his average. I think that it's been a little bit inflated because they're playing teams that really aren't that great. Um, and if you look at like the the previous stat sheets, it looks like he's kind of the only one that's getting consistent double digit like scoring totals. So I don't know how much of that is like him, you know, maybe being a ball hog and he's just not really passing too much because his assist totals really aren't that high. Um, it could be where he just kind of, you know, dribbles up and then just kind of finds a, an opening and then takes a shot and it goes in. And if that happens, then I think that the zone will probably eat it up. Um, and you got to remember too, we're really like diving into this, but like shooting in the dome is totally different because the depth perception is so off. And I feel like that could definitely play a role. We've seen that play a role many times in the past. I feel like we'll probably cut his average a little bit. I don't really see him shooting 21 points in the game. I, I just don't really see, see that that's going to be too much of an issue. Overall, Colgate is looking good. Obviously, they're coming off a loss today. They have another game. Or they have another game coming up, so they're going to have a lot of game experience under their belt, which is only going to benefit them when they come to the dome. So they're going to be a tough matchup. Obviously, they're a tournament team from a year ago. They're going to be tough. They're going to be a great test for us. But obviously, the hope is we get we deal with business. That is true. That is true. And then speaking of business, Zach, after Colgate, we head to the Bahamas for a business trip. All right? Business trip in the battle for Atlantis. We play VCU first. I'm very excited for that tournament. I'm so hyped. It's going to be finally like the first test against real competition i can't get over like how many good teams are in this bracket like you got michigan state you got vcu who's really like no slouch you've got loyola chicago who by the way moving to the a10 now that just came out the other day um you got uconn so many great teams are in this tournament baylor yep absolutely and i i feel like if Jim was the one to like set up the schedule, he must have really wanted to test his team early on. And I don't really blame him. Like this is such a good schedule and it could definitely benefit us kind of down the road, you know, when it comes to March Madness selection Sunday sort of vibes, you know, what is our out of conference schedule like? I I feel like this is going to be the time, Zach, where we finally get really really tested. I agree, and I don't know if it's the last time we were at Battle for Atlantis, but we were at Battle for Atlantis back in the 2015-2016 team, which just happened to be the team that went to the Final Four. So Ooh. take from what that would you, what you'd like. Do you know how we did in the Battle for Atlantis back then? We won. We won the Battle for Atlantis. 
Wow. All right. So I can see history repeating itself. Why not? I like it. I like it very much. Anyways, that's going to do it for us. I'm Cam. That's Zach. Let's go Cuse against Colgate. That game at the Dome on Saturday at 5 o'clock. And it can be seen on the ACC Network Extra as all of the games have. Except for the last one. That was on ESPN too. The 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 dreaded like ESPN series where like you have no idea where the game is so you just have to flip through like a whole bunch of channels it's it's very real I I'm not particularly keen on it but it is what it is we'll hear from you soon I'm Cam that's Zach we'll see you later.